0: Okay, welcome once again to another Throttle Up Radio Show and Podcast, and I'm your host, Captain Kevin Smith, and I'm glad to be here, along with my great audio engineer, for another show. We are, uh, this is still January, right? So we are still in the month of January, and uh, we've been talking about things related to The Top Gun initiative and things related to fighter pilot stuff and also things related to critical thinking and complex problem solving. i got a couple of administrative things to do right away. We are on Red State Talk Radio, of course. A weekend show, uh, Saturdays and Sundays, both channels. Red State Talk Radio, good radio station, great radio station, by the way and a great uh, general manager, uh, Scott Adams. I consider Scott to be a friend of mine as well. And um, also our podcast is available on all podcast platforms that we are aware of. I'm using CastBox right now, but there's a bunch of others. I'm not really promoting that one, but that's the one I'm using right now. Nice thing about the uh, the podcast is that you can run it anytime, anywhere. Run it in segments. I do. I typically do that. I run it in segments uh, because I I try to listen to the show as well to improve, constantly trying to improve all kinds of things that we do on this side of the microphone. Anyway, so let's get right into it. What is What's going on? Well, we're in the midst of a, a discussion about. My time as a Top Gun pioneer. Now, let me, let me kind of phrase uh, or frame this in a, in a particular way to, uh, to help understand what's, what is going on and what's going on in my brain as well. All right, so <laughs> I was at the ground floor of the Supersonic Initiative. So I was the original uh, within the uh, original group of Sonic Warriors. Uh, Sonic Warrior is is a fighter pilot that is uh, capable of of engaging in high velocity aerial combat uh, near at or above the speed of sound. So that's in other words, we're talking about of extremely high velocities Uh, when you get supersonic you're pretty much you're going uh... at extremely high speed uh... humans have gone above the speed of sound but not very often most tactical airplanes have not um, typically operated there with uh... with some exceptions and also i was on the ground floor of the uh, Top Gun Initiative as well. So uh, so I was a pioneer in both uh, areas, supersonic flight as well as the original Top Gun movement or Top Gun Initiative, if you want to put it that way. And so I'm talking about that now in terms of what does it mean and why, why should I talk about it? And what is it about that era that period of time that that I spent uh, flying airplanes. What is it about that that we should know about? Uh, what should we be, bring forward into the present from that experience that we had in the recent past? What do we bring forward? Well, we bring forward a couple of important things, and we talked about that at great length, and we'll probably continue to talk about that at great length going forward. One of them is time compression. We talked about that. Increased time compression is another term that I use pretty much interchangeably with time compression, and so uh, being able to perform under increased time compression uh, requires a certain cognitive attributes that is going on. There's something going on with the... Okay, all right. Uh, I just saw something pop up on my screen and my audio engineer says it's it's okay. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll continue. So why don't we start off with the question that uh, we're going to use to kick off this show, uh, which is what we typically do. And so I'm going to have my audio engineer read me the question for today's show. Here she goes. Uh, Hello, Kevin, and hello to your listening audience. We sure are glad that everyone is here uh, today. Okay. The ability to predict a future situation from a set of current events. Why is this important, and why and how do you do it? Okay, uh, great question, and we're going to be talking about that, in, in, and that is one of the important aspects of what I'm looking at in terms of what I learned in the course of being a uh, first-generation Sonic Warrior and a Top Gun pioneer. We had to... Uh, come up with new ways of thinking actually and that's not typically discussed i don't not sure why it is not discussed in a meaningful way maybe uh maybe others are not either not willing to go there or don't know that they should or whatever not sure about that but i'm willing to venture out into that arena I'm going to do that without apology. Also, because we did have to change the way we thought, we think, and we, and and that has to do with also what is it that we are going to do among all of the f- possible things that we could do. What is it that we are going to do? Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a video audio clip and the title of this let me see if i get the title right uh checking with my audio engineer the title of this audio video clip is oh okay here we here we go it, it the title is and you can just go to youtube video you, the youtube channel and just type this in all right so the title of this is interview with top gun pilot captain kevin smith u.s navy retired Okay, You can type that in if you want to see what I look like and also uh, follow along and, and review it. We're going to play a clip from that. Uh, about This is going to be about 10 minutes, and this is going to kick off the show this week. Uh, and then after this audio clip, audio-video clip, we're going to uh, discuss it. At uh, some length until the end of the show. All right, so let's go ahead. We're going to start. We're going to start into this an interview. So this is twenty minutes into the interview. The interview is being conducted, of course, with me and uh, a cinematographer, uh, a great cinematographer by the name of Robert John Hatfield. He is also there in this Q and A session. Uh, in a in a uh, video studio, uh, as a matter of fact, okay, so let's go ahead and uh, Again, this is uh, this is 20 minutes into it. We're going to be talking about Prediction the ability to to predict future situation From a set of current events. We're going to be talking about that at great length, right? So let's do this now. We'll run this audio clip for about 10 minutes here goes speed supersonic world that's true of the sonic warrior the more you know of the position of these high-speed objects the less you know of the velocity and vice versa the more you understand the velocity Hmm. the less you know of its of its position so it requires a lot of mental capacity to project into the future so what we're doing what we're basically what we're dealing with is to be able to predict a future situation from a set of current events. And that is a strictly human exercise. Okay? We don't leave that up to machines. The machines right. don't do that. They don't know how to do it. Okay? And they don't have the uh, capacity or the wherewithal humans do. And actually, humans can do it pretty well. It's amazing. What do they bring to the table? I don't have all the answers. You know, there's something going on. You know, inu- intuition, innovation, creativity. I talk a little bit about that in the book. You know, but those are the things that we had to be able to do, and we were able to do that in a way that that proved that that we could rise to the challenge and and provide the nation with this level of capability that had never been done before and to do it well reliably well and to and to uh, prevent all those who wish to do us harm prevent them from doing so because we were the only ones that could do it that's kind of amazing when you think about the United States of America that we're the only ones that you know you say well other nations have done the same thing not to the not to the scale that we have come on people you know i mean not even close you're not even close you know we have been operating aircraft carriers and deployed air force wings for longer than i can possibly uh, remember and we've been doing it successfully you know and and i'm not taking anything away from the air force and the marines those are these are great people and i love these pilots and they're great warriors all right but you know, but my home was on the aircraft carrier. That was my home. And my job was to make it work to the best of my ability. That was my job. And we did. We made it work. Right? We worked very, very hard to be the best that we could possibly be. And you know, uh, uh, frankly we were uh, we recognized for that achievement Officially, officially recognized for that achievement, um, I, I was awarded a, a, a Seventh Fleet citation for that and a and a Meritorious Unit Commendation as well hmm. for my efforts on the Connie. Wow! Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, they and everybody knew what we were trying to do, and they supported it. You know, and I gave a lot of credit to my Air Wing commander who was there every step of the way. <laughs> we used to have these, these amazing conversations. He would say, Kevin, we're going to get in trouble <laughs> if we do this. You know, I said, well, you know, it's got to be done. This is how we're going to solve the problem. He said, yeah, you're right. Okay. You know, <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> you know, so we did. And, the, air, and the, the, the commanding officer of the carrier was the Captain Mopil and he was the commanding officer of the USS Constellation during that, my deployment. And he, he also was right there helping along, you know, in, in helping, the, helping my efforts and helping to make sure that I succeeded in everything I did, which we did. We were the first deployed Top Gun unit. okay. Right? So to take the Top Gun movie, and that's, that's a home that's done if you take that, the Navy Fighter Weapons School, and these people that, have, that put that together and make it work are some of our finest warriors, uh, and I'm honored to be part of that group. I, I am. These are the best, amazing people. You can't believe it. All through the era, uh, ages. Uh, now it's called the Strike Warfare Center, and, and I actually work with those people as well. Uh, and uh, absolutely amazing work that they do. Uh, but I was the first deployed Top Gun unit. I was the commander of that, and we provided close-in air combat training services for the F-14 community aboard the Constellation. Now remember, these are brand new airplanes, right? This is brand new. So uh, the pilots didn't have a lot of time in the F-14. They were a seasoned. Most of them were seasoned aviators, but some of them weren't. But they didn't have a lot of time in the F-4. F14 and so they needed to get up the speed as quickly as possible because things were really heating up in the Pacific big time all right so they knew that everybody knew that all right so they have to have to get up the speed just as quickly as possible they've got this brand new airplane wonderful airplane but complicated as you can imagine of mm-hmm. that day right these were 50 million dollar very very complicated airplanes and it took takes a long time to get proficient utilizing and employing that level of complexity at the speeds that the F fourteen can operate, which is very, very high speeds. These are Mach two airplanes. Can imagine that. They can go twice the speed of sound. It's I know, it's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) They can go twice the speed of sound, right? And they can go out two hundred and fifty miles and defeat enemies trying to come in and and destroy the carrier. They can go all the way out there. You know, beyond the horizon, right? And come back, come back. You know, and and land. And that's 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 amazing work, right? So they had to get up to speed in the close-in air combat arena and gain proficiency as quickly as possible because we're getting getting ready to go. And even during the deployment, uh, the constant refreshers exercises uh, to, uh, to get better at employing the F-14 in close-in air combat. Now, keep in mind one thing uh, that, that's important to realize. The, the, the F-8 Crusader that I was flying was considered to be the finest close-in air combat machine ever built by anybody ever. Properly flown, the FA Crusader was almost impossible to defeat in close-in air combat.
1: Why is that?
0: Uh, bec- well, it, it was it was it was strictly a day visual fighter, so there was no okay. compromise. Right, we didn't have to do it in the nighttime, although we did have a limited nighttime capability. Um, because the later models have, had some radar in the nose and stuff uh-huh. like that, and IR sensors. So we had some limited nighttime capability, but basically it was a day visual fighter. And it was built st- strictly for that purpose, so there was very few compromises made to the airplane and the airframe. Hmm. And so it was, basically, it was a pure fighter. Okay, It wasn't a bomber. It wasn't a fighter-bomber. It was a pure fighter, Uh, and I'm not criticizing any any fighter-bomber crews or anything like that. That's not the point, right? These are good people, but they had a dual mission, you know, and there were certain things that they uh, that had to be modified so that they could do both missions, air-to-air and air-to-ground. We didn't have that, right? We didn't have that. Uh, We were strictly air-to-air. Air combat was our job. Okay, that was it. Right. And because of that, we had an airplane that could do that very, very well. Now, the F fourteen wanted to go against the best close in air combat fighter that was deployable. Right? Okay, we had to go aboard the ship, right? Mm -hmm. What was the best close in air combat fighter that was deployable anywhere, and that was the FA Crusader. That was the best. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we had that. Now, having said that, at the end of the deployment, I think we had F-14 crews that were probably, in my view, the finest fighter pilots ever. You know, at the, up to that point, these, were, these F-14 crews were the finest fighter crews that had ever flown a Navy airplane. That that's my assessment of it. Right, um, and so we were very very successful, and they were very appreciative of what we were able to do in helping them gain that level of expertise. And it was a very significant part of naval aviation and, and aviation history as well, because we did make history. Right. And that's part of what we uh, discuss, maybe a big part of what we discuss in the book, the Sonic Warrior book and audio book. We talk about that. We talk about the fact that we were there making aviation history and why we did this and how we were able to do it. Why was it important to do? And to what level did we succeed Hmm. in doing this?
1: I'm curious... Creating this book, writing this book, ultimately what when somebody finishes it what 's the message you hope that they get out of experiencing what you wrote?
0: The message is uh, the power of the human spirit without detracting from any other nation but the but in particular the ability of the United States of America to um, to <coughs> have these people in its population that can go out there into the unknown and solve problems that had never been solved before and never confronted before and not give up and not give up and say well we can't do it because it's never been done before um, the intellectual courage that is at play is something i wanted to um <clears throat> Identify, focus on, recognize that above everything else. It's one thing to have these wonderful machines that can fly uh, supersonically, that can engage in all kinds of sonic maneuvers. It's one thing. The other thing is that how do we find, train, encourage and foster the human side the human that gets into these machines and goes out into the unknown and is successful and achieves mission success that's what I want to get uh, out there in the public domain that's what I want people to take away from this book is uh, it's not just about the machine it is the wonder of flight, and it is the, the, uh, <clears throat> the wonder of the human being that can venture into the unknown, very much like the Wright brothers, and never ever give up and say, no, we're going to figure this out. Remember the Wright brothers, it took them 2,000 glider flights <laughs> to figure it out. Okay, They were not going to give up. Right, We weren't going to give up as, as first-generation Sonic Warriors. We were not going to give up. It was hard. It was difficult. Uh, we did lose some good people in the process, Okay, but we recognized that this was very, very dangerous work. Very dangerous. Uh, didn't know a lot of stuff. But we kept at it and, and persevered and, and said no, We're not going to give up because it's too important what we're doing. You know, this is really, uh, you know, this is the wave of the future, and we just can't hide our heads in the sand. We have to solve this problem. We have to make it work. We have to make it work for the long term and for the and for the survival of the nation. We have to make it work.
1: That's really interesting because everything you just said right there. Of course, it applies to flight, it applies to everything that you went through, but it's like this broader application. And you even said it once, uh, it, knowing that we can do this, what can't we do? Yeah, and exactly right. Th- there's this broader yeah. application to just humanity in general of, uh, of the being able to achieve and to reach and to, and to stop and to not uh, give up on things, to reach beyond what we think we can do
0: yeah go way way beyond what we think we can do imagine that you know we can do that we have we have the ability we have the capability if only we believe it we talked about this recently right you know if you can dream it you can do it but you have to believe you can do it you see we were not going yeah sure there's always kinds of Doubts anybody, you know, has that, right? But we work through those things, you know. And people, people would often say, you know, I would point out to them that the USS Intrepid, which is a museum in in uh, New York City, uh, is an early version aircraft carrier. That happens to be the first carrier that I landed on, hmm. you know. And they would ask me, were you afraid? Well, of course. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> you know, yeah, I was afraid. First time, you know, a young student naval aviator, fresh out of college and going through the Naval Air Academy, yeah, I was afraid, you know, but that didn't stop me. You know, so there's something else working there. Yeah. Right? You know? And that's the big takeaway, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Can you if you can think of it if you think it's a really great idea and it's going to benefit you and others keep that in mind it's going to benefit you and others what we were doing was going to benefit us and others right because it had national implications mm-hmm. what we were doing right but it doesn't matter if you if you think you can do it if you if you want to do it then believe that you can and then you can do it it somehow it gets a little bit metaphysical physical uh, in that you know in that explanation and it's a little bit hard to explain it or even understand it uh, you know but I often have thought of that you know if if there is something going on maybe the maybe the human consciousness is more powerful than we think it is maybe that's it Maybe that's the message. I'm not sure yet. You know, I'm mm-hmm. still working on that and you know, maybe the people who read my book can contribute to that you know, to that kind of awareness. But maybe there is something. I, I for, for sure there is something there. Exactly what it is, I'm not sure yet.
1: And there's something, there's something deeply, and, and you've said this, you even hit on this as you were talking a few minutes ago, there's something deeply American about it too. You know, because you kept saying not to take away from others, but there really was something about the United States. About this, there's a spirit, there's a thing that happens that that made made it happen this way.
0: Yes, uh, at, with without question, um, you know, there there is a, a a very special quality, a very special characteristic to um, to the people that call America home, a very special thing occurs. I don't know what it is. It might be a combination of um, you know, freedom, liberty. Uh, it might be a, a combination of things like uh, one nation under God. I'm sure that has something to do with it as well. But we produce amazing people, and they are willing to step up when They need to come in and solve these problems, and they're willing to do it. Think about the courage to be able to lay everything on the line. Remember, when we were out there, we laid everything on the line, okay? Okay, uh, that is almost uh, at the end of this uh, interview, and uh, we're going to... We're going to end on on this note uh, there's a couple of things that I wanted to emphasize on this show and and perhaps even future shows uh, intellectual courage uh, this is something that uh, is uh, is predominantly uh, uh, associated with Uh, with uh, Americans uh, not exclusively but predominantly it is and there was there's been some work in the area of frontierism if that is such a word I'm not even sure that that's a word is that is that a a real word Uh, in other words uh, frontier uh, going out into the frontier right so we are a uh, we are a frontier nation we pioneers we pioneered all kinds of things Uh, we pioneered uh, probably we pioneered the first transcontinental railroad I think we did by the way uh, we pioneered a whole bunch of stuff we pioneered flight Uh, the Wright brothers uh, were aviation pioneers we had all kinds of things Uh, and so in order to be a pioneer you have to have, you have to have uh lots of things going for you. Uh one of them happens to be intellectual courage. Uh the other one is intellectual readiness. You have to be ready. You have to be prepared for uh for what could happen. You have to be prepared for surprises. You have to be prepared for uh, extreme levels of difficulty that you might encounter. And so the, uh, the preparation is important. I think uh, if I had to single out uh, the one human attribute above everything else, and this relates to what we uh, often refer to in the uh, fighter pilot community, we often refer to the big picture uh, the big picture was really pretty important. But the big picture was not just in the here and now. The big picture also considered a future situation from a set of current events. You remember that we said that uh, recently. In fact, we said it a couple of times on this show. And that's particularly important that we that we do such a thing, uh, that we develop expertise in that area, All right? So what is it that we, uh, that w- in, if, if we're looking at, what is it in our intellectual tool bag that we need to have? We certainly need intellectual courage. We also need other forms of intellectual readiness, which is, in fact, the ability to predict. Now, prediction and I'm gonna use a couple of words here because uh because i i wanna I wanna sort of like uh clarify this a little bit better and kind of nail this down a little bit better, but when we say prediction uh, we're actually talking about likelihood what is the likelihood that something will occur? Sometime in the future, what is the likelihood? Another word that could be used is uh, expectation. Another word is anticipation. So we have prediction, expectation, anticipation, and likelihood. Uh, We we could also have probabilistic understanding or what is the probability we could also use that term as well i have often used the term probabilistic conceptualism what exactly does that mean okay that's something uh, that's a term that that i have used maybe even i have coined that term Uh, it's possible that i have and that's okay, Uh, probabilistic conceptualism, what does that mean? It means that we're thinking in the abstract. We're thinking at an abstract level. We are using abstractions. We are not thinking or reasoning at the literal level. Uh, We're beyond that. We're at the higher uh, higher up on the uh, intellectual ladder. We go from the literal, which is kind of low level or the low rung of the intellectual ladder is the literal. Uh, It's the here and now. It's what's in front of your face. Uh, And then from there, you go up or, or rise up, if you will, if you want to put it that way. You go up the intellectual ladder and you get to the point where it says concepts. What are the concepts? Uh, And the concepts relate to something that is not necessarily literal, but something that is conceptual. Uh, One of the greatest conceptual thinkers out there, in my view, is Jordan Peterson. He does that a lot. He looks at what is the conceptual construct of what we're dealing with. Can we conceptualize it? And that's particularly important. Okay, so once we conceptualize something, then we can look at it at uh, s- some point in the future. What is the likelihood that whatever is going on conceptually in the present, what is the likelihood that that will either occur in the future or something else will occur in the future that is related to... What is going on in the present, and also we need to look at at the past, uh, which is a term that is used. I, I wish you, I wish this term was used more often. But there is another term that is used, um, and this is not something that I have come up with uh, necessarily. But it's called causal inference. So that's that's uh, bringing something up from the past. We look at the past in terms of what is the what is the causal. If we have something going on in the future, in the present, rather, uh, we can look at the past and look at the causal inference. What is the likely causation of this occurring? And then we project into the future. Uh, we look at... Uh, the uh, the likelihood uh, that something will occur in the future that is related to what is occurring in the present and related to what has occurred in the past. All right, so there's a there's that uh, relationship continuum, past, present, and future, and we can go beyond the the immediate future into uh, a little bit more into the futuristic if we wish to and we could do that as well and that's okay okay so what what is it that that we should you know think about we put, uh, spend some time uh, thinking about how we think not what we think but how how should we think how to think that's all That's all part of critical thinking. It's not what you think, but how you think. How should we think in terms of what is going on, in terms of how we should prepare ourselves uh, to tackle something in the future? How do we do that? Not what do we do, but how do we do that? Okay, now, there's some things here that we need to sort of like clear up in our minds uh, there is what's called a prediction okay and I'm going to give you some uh, some examples of that so prediction uh, what is the probability that this will likely occur sometime in the future it's also a belief okay it could. It's a belief in something that could likely occur, based upon what is happening now. So it's a kind of a belief. Thomas Bayes used uh, the terms "belief." What What do you believe will happen? Okay. So that's that belief is is something like a prediction. But we can also look at it. In terms of what is the probability, what is the probabilistic metric in terms of a a future situation from a set of current events, and so the uh, and and then we can go beyond that, and I'm not going to get uh, too much further into. Uh, into this discussion right now but you could you could actually take that and take it a little bit further in that direction and you could look at um, not only probabilistically but you could look at what is the proportion that uh, that occupies the whole if if something is is uh, complete or wholeness what port what Portion of this thing that is going on uh, what is the proportion or what portion does it exist within something that is whole or complete that's a little bit theoretical i know but uh we're going to you know deal with that in in some form or fashion in uh, future shows so just kind of keep that in mind uh we're not going to dive into that right now because that's a little bit uh uh, it gets a little bit esoteric uh, or we well, let's say <laughs> let, let me say that that it it gets a little bit mathematical uh, and that's okay I mean I'm not afraid of math I think math is useful and it's great and I love it uh, but uh, there's a, there's certain uh, things that we're dealing with that could get uh, a little bit more mathematical and and that's okay. All right, so let me give you an example. All right, so one of the, um, one of the air combat exercises that I was involved with, uh, particularly when I was, uh, the, I was the commander of the first deployed top gun unit and we were embarked aboard the USS Constellation. And so we were doing, uh, among other things, what we were doing is we were doing uh, mission realistic, close-in, high-velocity uh, air combat training exercises for the F-14 community okay so one of the exercises that we were doing was called is called was called is called uh, a 1v1 what does that mean it means that there's a single airplane uh, that is going up against another airplane in a mission realistic air combat exercise so I was acting as the uh, red force the red airplane and the blue airplane was being flown by uh, the, by an f-14 pilot and and weapon system officer so the f 14 crew all right was uh, was the blue and i was happened to be the red i was flying the fa crusader at the time All right, so we were we were engaged in the 1v1 uh, mission realistic high velocity air combat exercise. And this was designed to improve the uh, level of expertise within the F-14 uh, community as well as the uh, improve the uh, the expertise of this particular uh, flight crew in close in air combat. All right. So so we are. We are going at each other, and the, and the way this exercise starts is that uh, we call it the merge. Okay, it's a technical term. Basically, it's 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 a head-on pass. Uh, basically, all right. So we we are uh, we're going into a head-on pass. We have the airplane in sight. He's in front of us, and and we're going to quickly cross paths because things are happening really fast. Okay. So this head-on pass and and the airplane then passes us close a beam. Okay? Okay. So I'm I had just passed the F-14 close a beam. We're both uh in afterburner, so we are both accelerating very very rapidly. And um and, and my my next move then is to is to make some kind of um, execute some kind of maneuver, okay. And it could be a number of things. I choose um, in this particular exercise, which is uh, this is not theoretical. This actually happened in this particular exercise. I chose a high overhead or a I've chose a vertical maneuver, okay uh it goes by a number of terms we're we're going to call it a a um uh a high vertical maneuver okay which is that you gain lots of altitude and you come over the top inverted so you can think of it as a as a loop uh, uh the tactical term we use was an oblique loop you can think of it that way uh, you can think of it uh, as a uh, as a uh, figure eight maneuver, uh, all kinds of things. Right. So basically, it's a high overhead maneuver. Now, what I did is that I did not execute that maneuver right away. Okay. And the reason for that is because I was doing some high level prediction. I was looking at it in terms of, okay, my current situation is I have just passed a beam, this particular aircraft, okay? We just passed a beam. I could tell that this airplane was an afterburner. I could tell this airplane was flying very, very fast. I was likewise in afterburner. And flying very fast, also accelerating very rapidly, uh, my ability to accelerate uh, was unsurpassed. Basically, uh, my acceleration capabilities was greater, or was better. I'm not sure exactly how to say that, but it was it was superior to uh, to all of the airplanes uh, currently at that time. So I could accelerate 50 knots a second uh, uh, going, going straight and level. All right. And this, this altitude that we're dealing with, I think was somewhere between 15,000 and 20,000 feet. I'm going to say that we crossed a uh, beam each other at 15,000 feet. Or, uh, let's put it at that way. All right. And now I did not make a move. I continued in my, um, I continued accelerating as, as, as much as I possibly could, continued to accelerate for a number of additional seconds. Okay, so I was counting the seconds off. All right, we also have a stopwatch in the airplane, but I wasn't using that because I was concentrating on other things and I didn't really have time. Because we're dealing with increased time compression, time is really compressed here. Okay, so so I'm sort of like mentally counting the 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 seconds off, and I'm and, and I have not made a move yet. So I'm I'm continuing to go straight and level, and so we are opening the distance considerably. Okay, and so the distance is opening uh, rather dramatically because of my speed at this point and so I'm in the vicinity of 450 to 500 knots already and I'm holding off on making a move and finally I make a move and my airspeed is somewhere between let's say 450 and 500 knots which is at this at this altitude uh, we're looking at uh, uh, supersonic, right? So, so at this point, I am now going supersonically, and and the airplane isn't slowing down much. Okay, even though I'm going through the sound barrier, it pretty well goes through the sound barrier effortlessly, and it's not it's not hanging up. It's not slowing down. Most airplanes do, but this one, this airplane doesn't particularly do that. It kind of likes to go fast. And then I make my move. Okay, so when I make my move, I cannot see the other airplane. There is no way that I could, if I had a radar, I couldn't see it. Uh, If I had whatever is is going on, I, I just could not, cannot, impossible for me. But I have to project. So I do a mental projection. Okay, which is what? I am predicting or projecting a future situation from a set of current events. That's exactly what I'm doing. I've got to get really good at it. So I have to take a lot of things into consideration. One was the closure speeds and one was the expected speeds of both airplanes uh, after the uh, after passing a beam. Um uh, or after the merge, if you want to put it that way, yes, okay. And so I had to do that. And then what I'm doing is I'm doing a mental projection. At some point, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so I'm pretty certain that the airplane, once I get, my airplane turned around in this high vertical maneuver, once I get my airplane turned around, I should be able to see the other airplane in this particular quadrant of the airspace. So the airspace is organized into quadrants. Okay, that's a mental uh, capability. Uh, it's finely tuned in expert uh, fighter pilots. It's finely tuned and very, very accurate. And at, at some point in time, you have to get good at it. All right. So, so I'm looking at the quadrant most likely to contain this airplane. And I better be right. Okay. So I do. All right. So I'm looking at the quadrant. And I've just got a, a note from my audio engineer. Um, actually, it was a sign language that said I've got about two minutes to go. All right, so let me, let me finish up. I'm looking at the quadrant. I pick up the airplane. Now, the airplane is very small, all right, because we have separated quite a bit. Uh, We have miles of separation. The airplane is pretty small, but I'm able to pick pick up the airplane because I know the quadrant that the airplane is going to be. I made that projection, okay, from the set of current events. And then once I have the airplane in sight, I'm looking at it and I'm expecting the airplane to be doing something. Okay, what is it? I'm expecting the airplane to be completing its maneuver. So it's turning right now, but I expect the turning of the airplane to cease. And then, therefore, I expect a head-on pass to occur once again. And so that, that is what it looks like or uh, it feels like or whatever. If When you're doing this in real time. That's exactly what we're talking about in terms of a pro- pro- projecting into the future, uh, a projecting a future situation from a set of current events. And to be accurate is the key here. That takes quite a bit of practice and exposure Uh, and now we're at the end of another Throttle Up Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week.